Hello team, it's Fab here, founder and head teacher at All Marketing School and your Marketing BFF. I want to remind you that there is a special invitation for you to join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Get certified as a positive impact strategy and make people fall in love with you and your work. Reclaim your time, understand the marketing foundations with a positive impact spin. If you are a marketing freelancer who wants to raise the quality of services and do more with less, or maybe you are an early stage marketeer ready to invest to gain real experience in building a strategy with purpose, or you're a marketing leader who wants to be recognized as a go-to expert and tackle new growth challenges. Whether you are beginners or whether you have some confidence into your strategy, we want to support you. We want to help you achieve your strategic goals, toss confettis in the air, and blast your favorite hype song as you get through eight incredible weeks with me and the rest of our faculty. Think about our certification as marketing training at university standards, not prices. So if you're ready to join us and you want to check out our incredible curriculum, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash certification. I repeat, amschool.click slash certification to find out more and learn what you are going to go through in our eight weeks. From marketing foundations all the way to leadership and storytelling skills, we're also going to cover strategic marketing blocks and advanced marketing tools. Plus, you get workshops, hot seats, group work, and even timely panels with incredible experts in the field. So what are you waiting for? No, I mean it. Our next cohort is starting real soon. So make sure that you head to amschool.click slash certification to come and join us and learn how to market to hearts, not to brains. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are currently bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. We're in, we're back, and I'm really excited because... We're back with an old marketing school teacher this week, which means I get to introduce you to another awesome human that is going to make the old marketing school vision reality. Hannah, I bigged you up before we even start. How are you feeling about that? Good. I like it. I'm just feeling like doing raising my hands in the air. <laughs> Basically, there's got jazz hands already to start, which it's, 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 no, I'm, I'm doing jazz hands. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> Hello. That. Thank you so much for being here with me and thank you so much for submitting yourself to this memory lane journey together. Thank you for having me. That is my pleasure and what I love is that I was thinking about obviously the reason why I approached all of you as teachers and is I think is because all of you have have a background that has has quite a solid kind of ground into some of the topics that we talk about in our marketing school but also then you have the little spin that obviously took you in your career to actually look at the other important things that I believe are needed to run a business, to, you know, support businesses, but also to kind of cultivate like a happy mind as well. So I'm going to go back to, as I said, the beginning where you actually got the bread and butter of the marketing side of Hannah. So 
what is what is one of your earliest memories when it comes to that is it the studying is it like your work as a marketer what is one of the big defining moments of that oh I think I'm gonna have to go quite far back because I I've always worked in digital so I think it's about 14 years plus now but I had quite a sort of um I guess varied path into it so I, going way back, I studied um, like English and media at university, um, got a BA doing that. And then, to be honest, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I ended up doing like an online. No, sorry, it wasn't even online then. It was old school, like print sales job. And then I ended up entering the online world and working for um, a site called iVillage, which probably, you know, you may have heard of back in the day. It's owned by Universal. So it's it's quite big in the States. It's not wasn't so big in the UK. And then so I think that's when my journey kind of began. And then I guess my really kind of the role where I would say I learned the most was working for Match.com. So the dating website, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. It was originally Dating Direct and the company that owns them. It's a French company acquired Match in the UK. Um, I was there for a while. I think it was about four or five years. And I just learned so, so much. I was essentially managed their partnerships, but then I got to do like email marketing, online ads was a big part of it. You know, this was pre-Facebook advertising, really. And so, yeah, I really, I think that's probably maybe not my earliest memory of it, but it was the one that I found so interesting. And if I'm going to be honest, it was fun to have massive budgets. So, you know, my, I think I've said this to you before, but you know, my tiny little, oh, let's test our email and see what it does was like a hundred K a month. I mean, can you imagine having that now? Or I think on the lowest month ever, it was like 20 K and it was just like, just test it. We don't know what it is. See what happens. Um, so everything was very new and it was just, it was really interesting. And again, you know, I know you do this and what you do, Fab, but I think for most of us that are marketers, particularly in the online space, what's really cool is that we have all this data, we have all these analytics, yeah, it can be a little bit stalker, but we don't have to guess. So, sorry, this is a very long-winded answer, <laughs> but basically I came from, it was very brief, but I had this brief stint in the online publishing, I'm um, sorry, print publishing world where you can't really track anything you might just place an advert and hope that people see it and then I went into the online world and I was like wow we can track everything we know you know it was all about subscribers to the dating site but it's like we know where people are coming from we know if it's SEO if it's a paid ad and then it could get really granular like and this is all stuff that we can apply to small businesses now which is who I work with and I mainly work with you know solo entrepreneurs I hate that term but you know but we can apply all of that so that's what I found fascinating is you can sit in a room and you can go right the blue button performs better than the pink the image of the woman performs better than the man and we just had so much data and we got to know you know all of us on the marketing team like we got to know the brand so so well and I think that was what I found really interesting and understanding the users, which again, is still why I wouldn't call them users now, <laughs> their audience. But, you know, it's I think that's really fascinating. I love that. And I mean, there's so much that I want to ask you already. All of this, I'm going to try and pick them, pick what I want to ask you carefully next, because I know we're going to go down to some lovely rabbit holes, like some gorgeous rabbit holes. 
Um, and I think it's one of those things like I, I forgot. And actually, this is a tangent, but I want to ask you this. We're going to go on a tangent already. But I think because of me working with people and again, just like yourself, I still work with some brands and startups as well, but I also work with some individuals. I felt from what you're talking about, I realized that when I focused a lot on the individual clients, which some people might be listening, that might be the people that they want to work with as marketers, I fell out of love slightly, or I've forgotten slightly about the joy of actually going in and looking at analytics and data. And then since I started working with a couple of bigger startups again, I actually got back into it a bit more. And my background is not like yourself. I used to work for a startup. So it wasn't definitely match.com, but um, but it was a normal startup, like, you know, a tech startup with like, events and stuff. So as you said, we had bigger budgets. We had, I could spend two hours looking at data because they wanted that and I needed that. And I almost forgotten about it. And maybe it's just an individual thing, but I'm wondering with so many people listening and so many marketers now, I think before the marketers could only work for a big brand or you can always work for like a company. And these days, marketers also want to be consultants or want to be freelancers or like yourself, like, you know, more like of a coach. And I feel that sometimes the lessons that I've learned, and I want to see if that's also from you, by working with a more traditional digital marketing experience are the ones that actually are really valuable because I think they're a bit forgotten about. I think they're not used as much. We look at the hacks, we look at the little things, but what about actually looking at the data? Like, you know, I love it. And I think like, actually it's weird because not people talk about it enough. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not particularly sexy. I mean, I guess what I found interesting as well is when you work, because I then went and worked agency side and worked for other brands. And, you know, I was in a very lucky position on the whole where I didn't have to literally go in and get that data. I did at the beginning of my role, but by the end of it, I didn't. We had agencies. So for me, because I'm not, you know, I'm reasonably techie, but I'm not like really, really techie into numbers. But I think the point is, you, so sometimes people get overwhelmed and they go, oh, I don't want to go into Google Analytics or whatever, like it's boring or it hurts my brain. But when you actually just look at it and think of it, or how do I explain this? You just see, you have, well, I kind of see the data more as people. So rather than get excited by something in a spreadsheet, what I find exciting, and I did it with my own Facebook ads recently. I'm like, oh, how interesting. There's something about this picture of me versus this green graphic that that's performing better as an advert and then it's like looking at the human side like so why is that what is it in people's minds that that's grabbing their attention over my canva graphic for example so I think when you look at it like that it's it's human behavior isn't it and I remember again this is so normal now but you have to remember like this was years ago so this was we were one of the very early people to do behavioral retargeting, which is now, and for anyone who's, I mean, I'm sure most people listening know what that is, but in case you don't, it's, you know, Facebook do it all the time now. It's you you visit a website, you go, that's a nice dress and you go away. And then as you're, you know, surfing the internet, you start seeing that dress targeted again at you. So that's, that's all that is. But when I worked at Match, we were one of the really early people to do it. And again, not through Facebook, because Facebook didn't work like that then, but that blew my mind. And it's stuff like that where I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. 
And again, that is data. How do you make, you know, I'm not a Facebook ads expert. I'm more about organic, but like I have a, I have a paid ads background and I think it is fascinating. Like, how do you make something work really, really well? It's just testing. And how do we know what works well in our test? Look at the data. And, and, you know, the other thing just to say as well with, you know, the clients that I work with, you might just be one person and you have an Instagram account and a small email list and a website and that's it. It doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, looking at your Instagram insights, that's data, that's analytics. It sounds really jargony when you say analytics, but that's all it is, isn't it? It's just like what's working well and what isn't. And actually, I want to piggyback on what you said at the beginning of the conversation here, which is like, because I'm with you, I'm not necessarily loving spreadsheets in one way. Some people do, and they love the numbers. And yeah. I'm a bit like you, I'm like, eh. But what I love is exactly what you said. And this is why I did it actually, funnily enough, at the time of recording, I did a little story on Monday, be like, I go back into actually checking weekly our analytics. And actually, I do a little weird, like, traffic light system, like, for, for my other company, Creative Impact, to see what works and what doesn't. And it's because I started doing it again, um, helping out the, one of the startups that I work with to actually keep track of theirs. And I realized that I love it, but it's not because I like, I think that's one of the problems. I don't like to see if we have, I don't know, 57,000 followers or 58,000. Okay, it's good. You know, growth is good. But as you said, I like to see some of the behaviors and I like to test it. And I think that's, that's, that's what makes marketers you know, kind of dynamic and that's what makes us grow. And what goes back to the human behaviors, I'm like, oh, wait, I did try to say that new Facebook ad or I did simple things like I shifted something on the homepage because I just saw that it wasn't leading people to the next stage in Google Analytics and it's working. And if it's not, again, I'm excited because I'm like, okay, how can I make that work? And I love that you mentioned about using the spectrum of human behavior and using the spectrum of why are people liking this instead of this or why are people not responding to this and I I also love what you said about the fact that some people feel overwhelmed but I'm also asking the question I'm wondering especially as a marketer especially if you're doing it for your clients or for your brand you work with or for somebody else I also wonder whether it's because it has a habit and it has to be a practice and whether it's something that people know there has to be a practice or whether we find sometimes resistant to do that because it takes time, I think. Yeah. Obviously, like, and I yeah. wonder what, whether that is one of the issues because it should be obvious, but I don't think it is still sometimes for some people to look at that behavior and actually ask the questions and test it that way. Yeah, I think it's true. And I think, you know, with a lot of people that I work with now who are, you know, solo entrepreneurs or they've got a small team, they're not a massive brand, they, you know, I think you still feel like there's all this guesswork, but there kind of isn't. I mean, there is a bit, right? We're always using like an educated guess when we do things. But if you can literally see, like using the example of Instagram again, because I know a lot of my clients, like Instagram works really well for them, go into your insights and see, because, you know, what I was saying to my members the other day is, I could tell you, or you could tell you, or any marketer, we could tell you what theoretically should work best, couldn't we? We should say, we could say, oh, you know, um, post to social media at these peak times, here's a hashtag strategy, blah, 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 blah. But actually, we don't really know what's going to work for that particular person, that particular brand, until they test it. And again, that's why coming back to the analytics is interesting, isn't it? Because 
when I, I don't sort of do people's marketing for them anymore, but when I did, you know, the first thing I would do, I'd go through and create a strategy for them is I'd go, right, give me all your logins. Let's go and look at all your analytics. And it's just really simple things like, it might be just going and looking your emails, right? And like looking at, you might even just be sending like one email a month, but you've still got analytics. You can say, right, what subject lines work best for me? And and like, yeah, I don't know why that, to answer your question, there is a resistance to that. And I don't know why, maybe it feels boring. It feels like admin, it's another thing to do. But I guess what people have to realize is that it, it's really helpful, isn't it? It's a really I'm good gonna- thing to do. Other other option because of what you said just made me think about something, especially the example of Instagram. Today is the day of um I talk so when we do the podcast with Becca every week about like marketing news, I talk about having a little hat on, and this is my there's a conspiracy hat on, but it's not this one. This is a skeptical hat on that I'm gonna put. Okay. Whatever you imagine it to be, every you know, I tell people I imagine whatever they might look like if it's a top hat or something, I'm gonna put it on and wonder whether another reason, controversial hat, that's the one. I, I wonder, because social media now, a lot of people think that marketing is social media, which I love social media. Yeah. Sometimes it pisses me off because it's like, there's so much more than that, especially when you look at, in, you know, user behavior, digital marketing has got so many elements. But I'm wondering whether part of the resistance also comes from the fact that even marketers sometimes, unpopular opinion, feel slaves of the algorithm. If we also yeah. feel like, ah, sodder, because things change. So again, controversial, but I'm putting it out there. Is that, do you think that, especially with the pressure of making Instagram perform and focusing on Instagram, the algorithm makes us feel a bit powerless because we have that conception of like, I don't know if what worked yesterday is going to work tomorrow. And how does that work against analytics as well? Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I don't even know if I have the full answer to that. But, you know, I've been seeing quite a lot of posts recently on Instagram that are saying things like, it's not the algorithm your content shit. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I just did. And I really get to my back up because I'm like, okay, yeah, of course you've got to have good content. You can't just whack out rubbish content once a day. But also there is an algorithm and people will say, I've even had clients, I don't believe in the algorithm. I'm like, well, it exists. You know, we might not fully understand it. Fine. It's complicated. I'm, you know, you're, I'm not a techie developer, but I don't like that as well. Cause I'm like, but then you're going to make people feel even more rubbish than they already do. And all you have to do is see, I mean, I've certainly seen a massive decrease in reach since reels came out. I think everyone has. All you have to do at the moment is post a regular post to Instagram, then post a reel. See what happens. Because what's going to happen is your reel is going to get tons more reach. It might not, it might not get more engagement. I don't, you know, we, that's down to the, the, the creator, the content, but it literally does. And, you know, the head of Instagram himself said we are prioritizing reels, you know, so they, yeah, I'm kind of going off on one, but I think the thing is the algorithm is real. However, what I always think and say to my clients is, We've also got to do marketing that works for us. So we, and that's why people like you and I are here, right? So we can keep on top of this. You're, I mean, you're probably way more on top of like every minute thing that's going on all the time than I am. But 
we can keep on top of this and we can say, right, this is what's going on. You need to prioritize reels. This has changed, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I, I agree. I don't think anyone should be a slave to the algorithm and you've got to do marketing that works for you and you've got to live your life. So I think that's the balance. It's like finding um, on the one side, understanding the algorithms and, and, and what it means for you. I mean, I don't mean you literally have to understand the coding, but, you know, what are the implications? But then on the other hand, but actually, what do I want to do? Because, you know, I was I had a call with a client yesterday who's like, I don't want to post daily to Instagram. And I was like, well, don't then. Like, just don't do three times a week and make it consistent. So, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's about making it work for you. But I do think denying that there's an algorithm tends to just make people feel more rubbish. I don't know what you I'd be interested to know what your take is on that as well, Fab. Actually, that's an excellent point. And it goes back to what you talked about human behavior, because I love that you raised that point again, because I thank you for saying that, because I don't want people to think that, you know, okay we don't want to look at the algorithm or the algorithm doesn't matter. It does, but the beauty of it is that if we go back to, again, I did a lot of reading on it because I, I wrote a piece about the algorithm changes a few weeks back, so I was trying to decode it myself. The truth is that when you read in actually the choices that are made, because it's different, by the way, from explore to reels and feed posts, it's slightly different. But the way that it works is literally mimicking trying to guess because the algorithm does because it's, it's literally like a rule because it's not a person exactly it's not a human being just going there like little john kind of taking care of each and every person poor john um but because uh, the algorithm is mimicking it's trying to mimic the user behavior based on what we do so whether we like it or not if we secretly go on a binge and look at all the posts on about love island for the uk people out there then you're going to see more of those in your explore so it doesn't mean that the algorithm is faultless, but it means that it is trying to mimic human behavior. So again, I also agree with what you said about finding a combination between understanding what content is prioritized. Yes, helps. Um, and what you want to do will help you because then, you know, you know, you can find your needs and your sanity as somebody who has to run Instagram or has to yeah. run content and that. But the beauty of it is that what you said, I think is really important. Pretending that it's not there or not wanting to understand how it works is futile because it is literally how the content is ranked, but it's not ranked based on like how many hashtags you use in a different way. It's literally about human behavior. It's trying to mimic yeah. it the best it can, but that's what it does. It's like, okay, this is what you like. These are the people that you engage with. These are the people that you talk to. We're going to show you more of them because you like them. It just wants to keep you on the app. That's literally all it does. Yeah, and I always think of the most funny example of this, which I can't actually remember if it's someone I knew or someone told me. But basically, there was something on Facebook that was kept. they kept being shown this post and it was driving them mad. And they were like, why do I keep seeing it? And basically, because it was making them so angry, they were commenting on it. And it's like, so that I just thought that was such a good example of the algorithm. Like you say, it's not a bloke called John. And the algorithm is going, you know, oh, okay, this person's engaging with this content. So they like it. So we're going to show them more of this type of content. Uh, and, and, you know, the whole thing with the algorithm is when you think about Facebook and Instagram, like they are there to make money, which, you know, is a kind of whole of a conversation in itself. But in terms of a user, it is meant to give us a better experience. So like, 
when I lazily Google something and I have typos, like Google knows what I want, bam, it's up. And that makes my life really convenient and it's brilliant. And again, I'm never, you know, there's arguments against this as well, but I tend to only see content on Instagram and Facebook that is in line with like my beliefs, my politics, my morals. So you could argue that's bad as well, right? But in terms of like, my user experience, it makes it nice. And I'm in my little bubble. So actually the algorithm is designed to, yeah, give us a more beneficial experience. But like you said, it's, you know, it's not foolproof. It's it's not always going to get it right. But And I think it's that combination almost of then, you know, going back to what you just mentioned as well, is the combination of the user experience of our audience as well, which I think is really important. And yeah. then understanding also then the analytics and just the behaviors to prove it. Because obviously the user experience itself, we can kind of, that's the thing, we can guess it a bit. Like this is what the algorithm, you can guess a bit what it's going to prefer. But then, you know, that's when the analytics come into place. That's where the insights. And it's something that I always say to my students and sometimes also to my clients, but definitely to my students whenever I'm on workshops is like, take with a pinch of salt what people say and really trying to understand and look at what people do. People will tell you what they want, but then when they, they will show you what they really want. That's a good quote, actually. <laughs> that is, I was going to say, that is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Again, maybe my brain is going off on one because I'm now thinking of all my previous jobs after our conversation. But one thing, I'll give you an example of this. So I then went agency side and we, um, I did more, like was an account director. So we did more kind of like mobile and web builds. And one thing that we did and, all like all companies will do is user testing so you know I used to sit in a room with people so anyone who is smart and like Facebook will do this you never assume you're never like oh this is how you know particularly with software this is how this is going to work what we literally would do is we would put someone on a computer in a room and we'd say okay I'd like you to whatever order something or press the contact me button and you just watch them do it and if you see them start fumbling around going oh where is the contact me button you go right that's not clear change it and so that's a classic example isn't it of user behavior a bit of a like tangent of an example but we can assume stuff or like you say people can say things because they genuinely believe it but until they actually do it (laughs) we don't know if it's accurate and you know, coming back to content, when we're thinking of ourselves as business owners and brands, we don't fully know what our audience is going to like, do we? we? We can make an educated guess, but until we just, we've just got to get it out there and some things will bomb and that feels crap, but that's okay. And then some things will find, oh, wow, that really hit a nerve. I got loads of comments. I've got loads of DMs. And then we can learn from that. Would you say that when it comes to that, because um, I think that's obviously is one of the elements. It's testing in itself, isn't it? Even if you don't go with testing for analytics, it's still testing from, as you say, the, yeah. the behavior. And I love because you brought into like the basic of UX as a user experience for design and we kind of applied into marketing because that's kind of what it's, it's kind of one of the things that I noticed from digital is that everything has become intertwined, like advertising feeds into marketing, marketing feeds into user experience and the websites yeah. and copies all kind of coming together. And I find that sometimes even as a marketer, and that's the reason why we have old marketing school, we want to build something that allows marketers not just to know the basics of marketing and understand the strategy, 
but also understand the the spectrum of the different skills that are needed and I think that's one of the other things but going back to what you said as well how do you find then is the balance because I do that myself I find something that works and I want to do it again between then doing it again but then almost then almost getting stuck to it too much and then it almost stops working I don't know if you ever had that because I find that's one of the things that I see a lot of our members do as well sometimes yeah, it's such a good point. And I just wanted to say before I answer that, that that is why I was so, you know, happy to come on board for Alt Marketing School, because I love that, you know, you and we are going to be teaching everything, like not just, oh, here's social media marketing, because at the end of the day, if you send someone to a landing page or a sales page or your website, and it looks like crap, and they can't get to where they want to go they're not going to work with you. So I just wanted to say that. But yeah, I've now forgotten the question. Sorry, because I went off on one. (laughs) We're talking about when, first of all, thank you. Uh, I'm glad to have you. But we're talking about when something works and then you start doing it and then you keep doing it too much until it doesn't work no more. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's a really good question. I mean, the thing that springs to my mind when we talk about that is, do you know, there's that kind of thing you know when people are sort of like so sort of oversharing and vulnerable all the time on Instagram but it feels insincere I think that's a good example of that like generally if I share a post where I'm a bit vulnerable it's going to perform well but if I was doing that every day just for the sake of it I feel like then my audience is going to get tired of it um I mean I think the best tip I can give is to just mix it up, like mix up the type of content that you share. But then on the other hand, I also like to go, you know, I like to be authentic. You know, that's my thing. I was talking about authentic. I've got my authentic marketing framework. So for me, I also think don't force it. So, you know, the example I gave about this recently is that I'm really passionate about talking about mental health after my own struggles with mental health. But there was something, and it's happened two years in a row now, on Mental Health Awareness Day, I just felt like, oh, I just, I don't know, I just don't want to share a post. It felt like there was a lot of noise. I felt overwhelmed. I didn't want to. So I just didn't. And then maybe I I might share something three weeks later. But I think it's that kind of thing, like, also don't force it and do what feels right to you but you know if you do I don't know let's think of an example say you do a reel where you're dancing and you know that worked really well by all means keep it as a style but I would also mix it up so don't do like three wheels three wheels I can't speak three reels a week that are all the same maybe try some other ones as well and mix it up but yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because I think it's about finding a balance between your message. So as soon as I started talking about visibility and being visible, because it's something I'm really passionate about, it feels kind of natural for me. And I want to keep talking about that. However, if I was producing the same kind of post every single day, people would get bored. So I think you can keep your message really consistent but maybe just mix up the um, the actual way you deliver it, if that makes sense. It does. And I think you're actually, you know, you bring an excellent point as well. 
uh, about then almost kind of force trying to force yourself into a situation especially with the mental health awareness day sometimes when you when it's not right and on a little a quick note on that I find that's one of the biggest problems that I have sometimes with brands. If we're going more for like small brands or even bigger brands sometimes, because obviously with individuals it's different. Like I think you tend to be obviously want to fit into the current conversation, but there's still a different element to it. Whereas I find that sometimes bigger brands are like, it's mental health awareness day. We have to find a way to connect ourselves to that specific thing. And I'm like, and it's something that Mark Schaefer said to me, wrote actually, but also said to me in our podcast interview, not marketing school before, you don't have to fit, you don't have to create a value that you believe in if you don't or if your product is not meant to be that way. If you're selling shoes and you just want to talk about shoes for one day, just talk about bloody shoes. You don't have to talk about how your shoes help with mental health unless you can find that there's a real connection within that. And I think it's a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I agree with it because we're trying to shoehorn values where you don't have to sometimes, you just don't. I so agree. And it's really funny because I had this exact conversation with a client yesterday. And, you know, what we kind of concluded is sometimes you can just share an image or a post because you want to. It doesn't always have to have really deep meaning. And I think the other thing is, you know, I do really believe that to be authentic and, um, you know, form genuine connection online, we do have to share our values and be a bit vulnerable. But we can choose how much we share and also people can just tell a mile off if it's forced it's like you said that thing where you do see it you're like oh let's just whack out something it's a bit like this week you know with the olympics there's been so much stuff and it's like oh god did you just feel like you had to share a post about it just to be topical and that is cringy but what i said to my client yesterday is i think Again, it depends what you do. So obviously for me, I'm a marketer. So people don't want to hear every detail about my life. And like, you know, I went to yoga this morning, what I have for lunch. Obviously, if you are, you know, talking about those things, it's different. But what I feel like is maybe pick something that does mean something to you. Like I said, for me, it's mental health. And weave that into your content. It might be you know, thinking of other people I've worked with, you might be passionate talking about, you know, menopause or veganism or sustainable living, whatever it is, as long as it means something to you, then I think people can tell that you're being genuine. But just, I completely agree with with what you said, like just choosing a cause or like having a value because you feel like you're sh- you should it's not sustainable at all and I think it's just really icky actually I love that we went for like this podcast should be called unpopular opinions with Hannah and Fab I feel like that's yeah, we went through every possible thing was like nah, meh. it's like that um you know they they have that on the radio show don't you the the unpopular opinion thing Oh my God, I don't, I don't, again, I, I don't know about that. I one. can't sing, so I'm not going to sing the tune, but they basically get celebs on and people call in and say their unpopular opinion, like, you know, like, oh, I hate Game of Thrones or whatever it is. I feel like we're doing that. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty much that, yes, the, the marketing hour, unpopular opinion. Yeah. But I think it's important to talk about it sometimes because we think about it ourselves. Like, you know, people think about it, they're like, Again, for example, I, you know, I, I wish I could deal with analytics, but it's I just, it's too boring for me. And it's like, we, you can be like, yes, I understand. You know, I feel sometimes, especially as marketers, I think 
five years ago, even 10, because again, even for me, it's been 10 years. It was supposed to be one thing. And now, you know, you get into, again, now people feel like it's marketing or good marketing is supposed to be another. And there's a lot of pressure, especially when you've been in the industry for more than like a hot minute. And you're like, I I believe that is what we said a few times today. Marketing is really about trying to create a human connection, especially digital marketing at scale in the online world, which is bloody hard. And I think we, because of tools like TikTok, for example, or even Instagram, they've helped us making it a bit easier. We underestimate that we're still trying to build a relationship with people online. Is like one of my last, last unpopular opinion, I promise. Some of the things that I hate is when you, you know, especially when I do it with students that are more like business owners or even with some clients who are more bigger brands and they're like, you know, conversions. And I'm like, that's great. You want to see conversions. But conversion still means a person trusts you enough or wants, or wants to invest in you enough, they're going to put some money into you. And it's even harder what is not an individual that is putting their face in front of you all the time. You know, conversions are actually, you know, is a person that makes that choice. And I think sometimes we forget that. And while yeah. I actually we're talking about humans and building a relationship takes time. If somebody asks you to marry them on the first date, you should run. Yeah. That's the same concept with marketing, I think. I absolutely agree. You know, it's like, you know, a double glazing salesman knocking on your door and like offering you a window. Like, would you just buy it? Like you wouldn't, you'd be like, I don't even know you or like, well, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, thinking about the conversions is so important. And I think, you know, that's why in a lot of ways, I love digital marketing. I think the digital space is epic. I literally met you through it. You know, how wonderful, but it does also bring challenges. And for me, actually, as much as I love the digital space, I'm far happier talking to people in real life. So, you know, what I I think a nice way to think of it, if you do it correctly, is now, you know, say, say I had an event and I invited like 50 people or even 20 people and I got to like chat to them and say, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? And build like genuine connection with them. But we can do that online on a much bigger scale, but we just have to work a bit harder, don't we? Because people aren't in a room with us. They're scrolling on their phone whilst probably doing three other things, you know, in a queue, walking to town, children screaming, whatever. So we just have to work harder. And I think the best way to do it, as you've said, is to just be authentic and try and build that connection and provide some value. And then generally the conversions or the sales will follow but if you go into it like I need to sell 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 it doesn't work it turns people off especially the type of people that we want to attract you know exactly and I think that's I think that's just gonna you know be more and more apparent and it's gonna be just a you know bigger conversation that's gonna happen and I'm happy about it in a way because it means it kind of cuts off some of the marketing that I really don't like uh, but it definitely has changed the, land, the landscape. So first of all, thank you again, because I do feel I'm going to call this podcast unpopular marketing <laughs> today. That's going to be, going to be cool uh, because it's true. We, you know, and I'm glad that we could talk about it because I think with the experience, it comes also, you know, we talk about all the wonderful things and we talk about, you know, obviously helping clients and stuff, but it's nice sometimes just between marketers to be like, okay, I love this about this, but I also appreciate that these are the struggles that sometimes we have to face about that as well 
Now, before I love you and leave you uh, with this lovely chat, can you remind us again where people can find out more about you in case they want to ask you any questions, can they want to stalk you healthily, where could they sure. go? Yeah, we love a bit of stalking, don't we, online? Um, yeah, so I'm, the, the most common place I hang out actually is Instagram and I'm at digital underscore nourishment. So digital nourishment is my company name um, or my website is digitalnourishment.co.uk. Yeah, but Instagram is probably the best place to get hold of me. And I genuinely, I hate cold DMs, but I genuinely like messaging people and meeting people on Instagram. So like absolutely feel free to send me a message. I am a big fan of that. I love it. Thank you so much again for being with us. Thank you so much, Fab. I've loved it. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Alt Marketing School. Until next time.